0: You can forget a lot of things, Foster Care Nation. But never forget this. You're listening to Unparalleled oh Studios. I said no. Foster, Foster Care Nation, Nation. Listen, up. listen up. This is Foster Care and
1: Unparalleled Trinity.
0: Strength for the powerless. Courage for the fearful. Hope and healing for wounded hearts. back to foster care and unparalleled journey with jason and amanda and baby today too so if you guys hear baby noises sorry i can't manage to edit them out and she's kind of cute so i like hearing it so we're gonna leave her in there so today miss fussy baby she's never fussy until we start recording so um we're just gonna have to deal with it but we brought back justin black if you guys remember in the past you've heard justin alexis tell their story before they are the uh, the creators of Redefining Normal, well, the authors of Redefining Normal, and they have redefiningnormal.com, it's re-definingnormal.com, and they have started their own podcast called Rose from Concrete, and so I recommend you guys go over and check them out, hit the follow button on there so that you can get them downloaded and, and uh, listen to what they're doing in this world, because Justin and Alexis came from a hard place, and they talked about it last time, and... Justin, I know that that Alexis had some other things she had to take care of today. So I am glad to have you here. Anyhow, sometimes the boys get to just go do all the the hard work and uh, that stuff. But, you know, I think what she's doing today might be harder work. We talked about that earlier. So we're just going to sit here and have a conversation. So how are you doing today, man?
2: I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on the podcast today. And uh, I'm going to hold it down today for the both of us.
0: All right. all right. I ain't going to tell her that you said you could take care of, you could do her job for her today. I'm going
2: to try. I don't know how, how good I'm gonna do, but I'm going to try.
0: <laughs> That's a good answer. That'll keep you out of trouble. <laughs> all right. Well, you know, we, we really just wanted to bring you guys back here. And, you know, so you can tell us about what you're doing with, with your redefining normal project and, and maybe even a little bit about your, your podcast. So, folks who've been listening for a while if you haven't been listening for a while go back and find the episode with Justin and Alexis and and you can hear their story to begin with and then jump back here and you can see where they're going because that's the neat part about this is when we get to hear the story of where someone has been and then see them changing the world and where they're going that's just that's awesome so dude what's going on in your life
2: is there's a lot going on and we talked so so like so far like a while ago it was it was like in a super early stages of redefining normal where, um, like I think maybe the book just came out and we are like, I don't know if the book was out already or preparing to come out, but, um, super early stages of everything. And I don't even know if we like transitioned the book into a business by then yet. But since then, uh, just a few, few things that are out there, we've sold nearly 7,000 copies of the redefining normal book as self-published authors. Um, Won 11 book awards and, and fortunate enough to be a part of Forbes next 1000 for 2021 with our business and turning the redefining normal book into an entire business where we do workshops, presentations, um, and many other things like that just around the country, trainings, um, keynotes, you name it, you know, doing it with youth who've experienced care, the uh, the stakeholders in the system, like the attorneys, the judges, the parents, the adoptive parents, as well as uni- different universities around the country, different uh, students, and just uh, picking up for, with that momentum of the book. So it's been definitely been a blessing. We've been super busy, going like two and a half weeks almost every month, but it's a it's a blessing.
0: Oh man, yeah. If I remember right, you guys, the book was was coming out right after we recorded that episode, if I remember. So it was right in that time frame, um, and I know that uh, that we were kind of just wondering where you guys were going. If I remember right. Um, Did you guys, did I introduce you to uh, John Williams?
2: You may have, you may have.
0: uh, Maybe you were on his podcast or something. um, A life that counts shortly after.
2: Yes, I do remember that. Yes
0: yeah yeah because i remember passing you guys on you know, passing your name on to him thinking like these guys are going somewhere and i've known john for several years and john's all about helping out kids with the work that he does so i was like yeah yeah i think these guys need to meet and i was pretty certain you guys were going to go somewhere so it's great to see like having some success with the book i mean dude like seven copies that that would be a mind blower for me on top of the all the awards like i they get might give me the award for the for the most, um, for the worst English teacher ever. <laughs> and my uh, English teachers no. would be mad. They said, no, I didn't teach him that way.
2: <laughs> no, no. I mean, but the numbers are cool, but what's most important is just the testimonies we're really getting back. Like, we put our personal diary almost into this book. And for people who are listening who who don't know what the book is, it's called Redefining Normal, How Two Foster Kids Beat the Odds and Discover Healing, Happiness, and Love, where... To summarize it all, we basically give our personal narrative about how trauma became normalized within our family and how as we started to uncover that, we started to realize that this trauma within our family and in our lives was passed down to us generationally, from like two to three generations, and how we had to uncover uh, who we were outside of that trauma, focusing in on our mental health, our emotional health and our spiritual health, while at the same time, Uh, coming together in a relationship as two young adults. So, uh, you know, internalizing it and expressing it in negative ways onto one another in different situations, but ultimately uh, finding out who we were as individuals and then coming together to try to build a new legacy. And that's where we end the book with our wedding and everything. So um, with that, I mean, the, the impact has just been incredible with the testimony that we've been getting and since then, we also put out an audio book where we're narrating a book and everything. And people are just giving us amazing feedback, uh, showing us so much love. And I can never take any credit for it. But it's all just a, a, a blessing from God, really.
0: You know, Justin, I I would say I wish a book like that was out before me and Amanda went through it. But we did everything perfect in our early years, didn't we, baby?
1: Um, yeah, I did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna argue because i've learned how to do some of that stuff better now
1: uh-huh. <laughs> but uh-huh. we've learned how to do a lot of things better now amen like to trial that trial and error
0: but you know amanda and i you know we had different trauma stories obviously than you get than you and alexis did um but we, everybody really really pretty much everybody at some point has some sort of a trauma story some are much more severe than others obviously like we talked to you guys uh, i've i've read your book and i know some of the stories that the Alexis talked about her background like my my childhood had its problems it wasn't it wasn't that bad right it wasn't it wasn't that traumatic in in that way but but for a kid like it, it took a while for me to realize what that really looked like you know and yeah. so as we all have to deal with some kind of trauma in our lone lives and figure out how to step through that you know the fact that you guys have put that out there on display because let's be honest we're all willing to talk about everybody else's problems. We're not willing to talk about our own stuff very often.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of what we want to challenge people to do. You know, we've been through some unimaginable stuff, and I'm not here to play victim at all, but really try to encourage people to really unpack that a little bit in their own life. And, you know, one of the things that my pastor has told me is that if you hold if you hold your your talents, your skills, even part of your story within yourself, then it's I mean, don't get me wrong. I want people to be comfortable doing that. But to a degree, there's a bit of selfishness because your story, what you've been able to overcome, what you've been able to do is going to help hundreds and thousands and maybe even millions of people out there. And they're waiting on you to hear your story of perseverance and your story of overcoming. And, you know, it was times we wanted to give up on this. We didn't want to write this book because maybe future employers, colleagues, friends will, you know, know our deepest trauma and what we've been through, but really it's about the people who, who were wanted to to learn from us and be able to have that courage to share their story. I also not even just let it hold them back anymore. They don't have to feel like it has to be a secret anymore, but really identify it and use it as their strength. So that's really our goal and what helped us move forward publishing this book because we don't want to have this hold us down, but also it's more or less about other people not letting their uh, past situations and circumstances hold them down as well.
0: You know, Justin, one of the questions I always like to find out from people who've who've gone from trauma, who've gone from their own dark, hard places to helping other people. Like there's a switch that happened at some point in there. You know, what was it that, that took the 11-year-old Justin who was living in that trouble that you were living in, you know, in that part of Detroit, right? Yeah. Yeah, I thought that's where you were from um, originally. So that, that took that 11-year-old boy from Detroit who was in a hard place and turning men to the not an 11 year old justin who's grown up to be a man who's out there helping people and and dedicating your life to because this is your full-time gig right
2: Yep, full-time
0: yeah so like you made your full-time gig helping people out of that hard place and most people don't make that turn. what what helped you make that turn to go hey i want to help people i don't want to i don't want to be the victim just like you said i don't want to play the victim i want to be the one who helps somebody else find their own victory
2: Yeah, so I think it's not exactly a switch, I would say it is, but more or less like a progression type of thing where, you know, you start to realize one by one, like, okay, the things that I'm going through, the things that my family is going through, I don't, it may not be okay, (laughs) you know, like, I don't like how this feels, I don't like what we're going through, but so, so, so often we... Normalize it, we okay it, and it, we just ignore it because sometimes it's comfortable. You know the the things that I've been through, the circumstances, the poverty, living in abandoned homes and and homeless shelters as a child. Those circumstances became almost normal, but it was extreme. So I had to think like, man, like I I know I want better for myself. I just don't know how to do it, and I start to have uh just starts to get like desperate for like a desperate to want to do better. And I really dedicated myself to just trying to just figure things out, you know, like I wrote in a book where, you know, when we were living in an abandoned house when I was about nine years old, I would just go outside and shovel people's snow for money, you know, just trying to do something with what I had. You know, I would maybe borrow the neighbor's shovel and try to shovel snow, just do what I could do. So just trying to figure it out in that way and just do small things to make a big difference. So just trying to make, take one step at a time and not just have like it's no light bulb moment or a turn on a switch or anything, but really just take one step at a time, moving forward and understand that mistakes will happen and you will move back a lot. But trying to move forward. And I didn't understand that as a kid or as a teenager or anything. But now as an adult, I understand how important that is to really just Take things one step at a time, one day at a time, and to to really just, um, really just appreciate. You know, looking back now, I I can appreciate everything because it brings things full circle. Because now uh, the my ability to overcome those things it really contributes to my legacy. The things that I'll pass down to my children, the things that influence other people, it'll it comes full circle. And what God can make out of uh, nothing is really amazing
0: you know, you, you used an important word for me. Um, you talk about legacy there, right? And, and I had somebody explain it this way to me once. They said, you know, legacy is, it's kind of like a wake behind a boat. You don't get to choose whether or not you leave it. It's going to happen. You get to choose what it looks like, but you don't get to choose what it is. You know, where'd you come across that idea and how long have you been, been really pushing for that idea of changing a legacy for yourself and your family?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a big one. Um, The idea of legacy really started. I feel like we talk about that switch. Um, It really started maybe when I was in high school. And I remember uh, back when we had like the ACT um, and it wasn't that it was a super long time ago. But back when we had the ACT, um, I, I did terrible the first time I took it. And it was something about that where I just gave up, like, all right, I didn't do a good job. I gave up, you know, it was like whatever. But I had to ask myself, I think this question that I had to ask myself really started that progress. Before I even knew and start, I touched the word legacy and started to think about it, I feel like this question that I asked myself really helped me to get to that point where I started to really build my legacy. I had to ask myself, like, did I really do everything that I could do to be successful? You know, sometimes when we fail, we don't do good. We we it's easy to blame it on so many other things, like this person didn't do this or this person didn't do that, or so many other things. And sometimes, you know, life is out of things that happen to us is out of our control. But one thing I wanted to do with building my legacy is that um, I have my faith, where you know I have my faith in God, which is um, you know God does things that are sometimes out of our control. But if I can do everything that I can with what I can control to do the best that I can do, what I can control, am I satisfied with the results? And in that moment where I took the ACT and I I failed it, I knew I didn't work my hardest. I knew I could have went to more tutoring, uh, more training, did everything, did a lot lot more things better. And I had to ask myself, like, listen, if I'm going to get a bad score, if I'm going to go out like this, I want to lay my head down at night knowing I did everything that I can do and not leave anything else out there. I did everything that I could do to to get the best score possible, to try to get into college, and just to make myself happy. And if I got, like, a zero, and I knew in my heart that I did absolutely every single thing that I could, staying up late studying, going to tutoring sessions, then I would be happy with that. But I went back, I studied harder, I worked harder, and I got a way better score than I got the second time or the first time was able to get into college, and that really made me think like, all right, if I can do my best with what I can control, then my life will look a lot different. And then I think off of that momentum, I started to think about legacy and things that I want to pass down to my
0: kids. Okay, citizens of Foster Care Nation, we want to hear from you. We wanna hear any stories that you'd like to share with us, anything that might be funny, inspiring, touching, heartfelt, all of those things. That's what people love to hear. So why don't you send us some of your stories? You can reach us at our voicemail line at 413-FOSTER3. Again, that's 413-FOSTER3. Now, we're going to assume that if there's any privacy rules that you need to follow, you've already followed them and changed any names that need to be changed because we will play some of this on the air. We look forward to hearing from you. Now, this voicemail has a limit of about, I think, 10 or 15 minutes. So anything longer than that, just contact me at Jason at fostercarenation.com, and we can sit down and talk about your whole story.
2: Off of that momentum, I started to think about legacy and things that I want to pass down to my kids, and not just the money, Uh not exactly money and, and material things, but with t- the type of mindset and spirit that I want to pass down to my kids and my children and to my friends and other people that I interact with.
0: Well, you mentioned kids. I know you don't have any kids yet, but, um, have you guys had this discussion that, that my wife and I had a long time ago? Uh, do you know how many that's going to be yet? Cause my wife at one point <laughs> when we were first together, she told me she wanted a dozen kids
2: oh man <laughs> i didn't oh, take
0: it I, serious
1: i did tell him i wanted a dozen i you didn't get you know, to get the
2: 12th one he's just them. like running around doing whatever you're not even like you're not even like <laughs> doing anything we don't have
1: a dozen yet we're just working on maybe eight. Oh maybe. man
2: that's too
0: bad. <laughs> you, you remember the old nursery rhyme about the old lady in the shoe uh you know who had I so like many shoes. children she didn't know what to do you know why i never mentioned the husband Because he was taking a nap. Ah, He
1: was working. He was
0: exhausted from working so much. That's what it was. (laughs) Yeah. So how many, have you guys talked about that all? I'm just curious. Do you have plans for a big family or just take it as it happens? Yeah.
2: So first, I kind of think we just take it as it happens, but I can't really see us going over maybe like two or three. And then just kind of maybe fostering and adopting from there. Uh, Fostering, adopting, mentoring, whatever we have to do. Uh, maybe contributing to a group home setting whatever we have to do um, but I can't really see us going over like two or three um, and <laughs> Does Alexa, <she> know that? <laughs> yeah, yeah we had that conversation we had that conversation because she's like you know you know her her back and you know her body she's like oh man that could be tough on my body and my back already feel a type of some type of way and everything and it's like you know even if
1: you don't birth them they're hard on your body (laughs) (laughs) i I only birthed two and well we have a few
0: yeah we have we have more than a few but yeah yeah. i just want to make sure you had this conversation with her so she don't listen to this episode and go um you said what
2: (laughs) yeah I, i used to say i used to say like four or five and then she was like huh and and then um, after after that, I'm like, I don't, I, I think I'd be good with like two or three. I don't need that many, you know.
0: All right, as long as you as long as you got a plan and she knows about it, that's the important number, yeah. right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you know, you brought it up a couple times here. You know, I I always like to dive into this question a little bit with people who mention it. You know, because some for some people, faith is a big component of their their choice to help out kids in in foster care or adoption. You know. Uh, you know, there's there's that whole verse that people go back to, and, and James it talks about you know the what true religion really is. It's helping the orphan and the widow in their struggles, and there's more to it, but I'm just going to stop there because because wow. <laughs> I'll prove my ignorance of, of of being able to recite Bible verses if I keep yeah. going. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> but but you know that that's something that's mentioned, and and orphans and widows is something that's mentioned more than once, you know, in, in the Bible, and so people have a lot of of religious reasoning sometimes for wanting to help kids um so i'm just curious is faith a component of that for you guys or is it just uh, just an overall component in your life
2: I, I think it's both uh i think it's a foundational piece to where you know you talk about faith and i think when it comes to faith that faith is your foundation and you know when times get tough when things get rough in life and you need direction, that's going to be the foundation that's, that's steady in your life. So it's it's something that is fundamental for us. But also, um, as far as, servant, as serving people, you know, Jesus displayed servant leadership throughout his entire ministry on earth. And like whatever we do, I don't care if you're doing what I do and business entrepreneurship or you're doing what, what your podcaster, your engineer, you know, and, and tying it back even to legacy you know, you'll be remembered by what you did uh, as it relates to serving leadership. And that's what's really important. You know, our, our nine to five, our career, that's cool. But serving leadership is what it's really about. And I just read a scripture the other day. It's really been in my heart because they talked about, you know, the way we serve people, we're not even really serving people. We're serving God as we serve people. And when you serve people just and you when you do if you ignore someone or you disregard how they feel what they need then you're ignoring god and that's how it, i forget the scripture i think it's in matthew but um i think when you take that into you, you take that into account of when i serve people i serve god then it's like i feel like everybody would be on board with looking to serve individuals communities and everybody and that's what i always try to keep in mind uh, as i serve people i want to serve god and serve uh, and, and help them out of everything that they're going through for that mindset shift so they can they can see themselves how God sees them
0: yeah <laughs> I could go deep on that one with you you know I, I have a good friend of mine um, and Amanda I already knows so I'm going to mention here my my buddy Joe Bailey Joe is a good dude uh, and I like Joe because he's one of the few really good men I've met in life and you know he, he's leading the group that, that I was a part of for, and um i'm still part of it but one of the things we did was to to work out our spiritual purpose like why are you why are you here why are you on this earth if god put you here do you have a job to do are you doing that have you do you even know what it is and so he walked us through a program where, where you kind of figured that out and could figure out your own um figure out what your own purpose is and that was, was so impactful for me because, quite frankly, he, you know, he said, I knew what yours was before you even opened your mouth about it, right? Because, because we live this life, right? That, that's we, we're, I'm here to serve kids. That's yeah. what my job is. And it's yeah. a quick plug for Joe, by the time this comes out, hopefully his podcast will be up. He has a podcast out coming out called The Reman Project, and he yeah. talks a lot about you know, men who need rewiring. And I think that's probably the thing that would have been real helpful to you on your journey back when you were just getting started and rewiring a lot of that, that childhood trauma and stuff and figuring out how to be a man. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of stuff that's really powerful. So, so yeah, for us, you know, Amanda and I, quite frankly, when we started this, uh, the church that I grew up in was not a spiritually healthy place for me. And Amanda's family was not really spiritually active growing up. Really, we just, we felt led towards it. But we we didn't have the ability to really nail it down to like, this is this is the thing we're doing because we want to be super spiritual people. It was just a need. And uh-huh. so I, I think it's important for people to realize that even though that you can do this with a real spiritual component to it, there's a need for this with or without that piece of it in place. We, we need everybody to step into this because man, oh man, what last numbers I saw was close to half a million kids sitting out there in foster care looking for somebody to help them out.
2: Yeah, and uh, around the Super Bowl, I saw a, a meme on online that said, um, "If you just take California, I think I don't know if it's California or LA specifically, but you can fill up the entire Rams LA Rams stadium with the youth and foster care. I think in in LA, I don't know if it's LA or California, but I think it, I think we we'll just go to California. You can fill up all the kids that are are in uh, the foster care system in the state of California." They can fill up the entire uh, L.A. Ram Stadium. And once you kind of put it into that perspective, it's like kind of shocking and mind blowing. Like, wow. You know, and the, with the work that we really want to do is try to get to that fundamental piece, because I think uh, the statistic says that, you know, foster care, the, the, one of the biggest reasons why kids enter the foster care system is because of neglect. And, you know, I think there's a lot of support out there for youth who are already in foster care. We're already going through the system, and that's amazing, but I feel like where my heart is leading me, what we are doing is getting to the fundamentals of the way people think and who they are, and even trying trying to support families and communities before we have to get to a point of releasing our child into the foster care system or not being able to support them so working with the parents working with the youth themselves so they can stop that uh that cycle of trauma because so much of it is normalized where parents and communities don't even don't even realize it or they're just coping with maybe some type of alcohol or drugs to to with their mental health issues so trying to support them in many different ways so we can stop that cycle of trauma and faith is a huge component of that because i feel like who we are foundationally is is so broken and we're passing down that brokenness to our children sometimes and a lot of times unintentionally.
0: You know, if I'm not careful, I'll, I'll start to preach a little bit when it comes to that whole generational trauma thing. Because one of the things that I've heard it so many times, it keeps coming back to me. And it's I know that means I need to spend some more time, you know, really getting into it. But generational trauma is such a big thing. You know, it's you look at our own kids that, that we brought into our lives and so many of them, you know, their parents or foster kids before they were. Mm-hmm. And it just happens time and again. And and the the instances of of it being because, like you mentioned, some sort of neglect usually based in some sort of drug or alcohol abuse because people are medicating some of those traumas that they have. Well and poverty too. But yeah. you know, and that that's you know, that's an important piece to, to look at as well. But you know, people medicating some of those traumas or maybe poverty that's based on some of the traumas that they grew up with. You know, mm-hmm. so what kind of things are, are you guys doing to, to help people before they get to the point where these kids need to come in care and need to have people, you know, step up and and take care of them? What 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 are you doing that could help keep them in their homes? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So first, we like I said, we focus a lot on mindset, who you are fundamentally. So as we work with the, the parents, or specifically more or less the foster parents that are like housing the youth and work with the youth themselves to stop uh, the cycle of trauma, we try to challenge them fundamentally on who they are. So we ask them questions like, what are your core principles and values? And How do you display mm-hmm. that for yourself on a daily basis? And trying to hold them accountable to the standards that they hold for themselves and their own expectations. And trying to help them create goals and expectations that will get them out of their comfort zone. And starting with them individually, so a few of our workshops with youth, which we have a non-part curriculum now, which we've been able to develop, but um some of our workshops with youth start with them as an individual because it always starts with you and you can't pour from an empty cup so challenging them on their core principles and values challenging them on their definition of love definition of happiness and so many other things and then going from there to the next presentation talking about their relationships and who they're around because uh I think Jim Rohn said that you are the average of the five people you're around so if you're trying to do better, but you're surrounding yourself a bad company, that you'll never be able to get better. So, trying to have the circle around them reflect the core principles and values that they established for themselves in the previous presentation, and then going on from there, starting with who they are fundamentally, to the relationships and community they're around, and then just going on on and around personal and then professional development, until they're able to understand the full concept of this redefining process as it relates to restructuring how they uh, view themselves, uh, restructure how they think about internal locus of control versus external locus of control and so many other things around them and how much power and autonomy that they actually have.
0: Hey there, Foster Care Nation. We'd like to take a quick minute to step out of the podcast here and ask you guys for a little bit of support. If you could share an episode with people, friends, in a group, with family, Anywhere where there's somebody who would like to hear this. Also, if you'd like to join us and support our mission, a couple dollars a month would be really helpful. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash foster care nation. Now back to the show. You know, I love that you start with core values. Uh You know, I'm part of this dad's group that is just, it's an amazing place. And I, in full disclosure, I'm part of the leadership team now over there, but, uh, one of the first things we do when new guys come in is talk about core values. Mm-hmm. And it amazes me how many men, how many people in general have no idea what their own core values are.
2: Yeah. It, once we ask that question in presentations, it's, it gets pretty quiet. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah. Like, like And it's actually pretty easy to find out. You just go look at the bank account and look at their, their schedule and you can figure out pretty quick what their core values really are. But understanding that we all have these aspirational core values. We all have this idea that like, oh, for me, family is the most important thing. Then you find out, you know, you, you, you work, you go to work, you come home, you you stare at TV, you drink beer and go to bed and, and said three words to your wife and no words to your kids besides a holler at them to get out in front of the TV. And you're like, wait a second. Like I thought family was important to me, but I'm not living that way.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's why when we ask that question too, we don't just say what's your core principles and values and we move on to something else. We keep digging and challenge you on that. So what's your core principles and values? Okay, you gave me, oh, you're motivated. You're this, you're that. That's cool. But okay, now your next question is, how do you display this for yourself on a daily basis? Now you may be stuck like, uh, okay, I don't know how I display this for myself. And so many other things like that. And starting with those core principles and values in the first presentation, and then getting all the way down to like the eighth or ninth presentation where we're challenging them on, even their their scheduling. How do you uh how do you set up your day? How does your typical Monday look hour by hour? You know what are some of your goals throughout the day, and how does those how does those core principles and values reflect in uh, those activities throughout the day? And breaking that down day by day and week by week, and helping you understand a to do list and understand your weekly goals and everything. And then we were able to create a planner from scratch, so helping them be intentional about putting in those activities in that planner that we created for them. So uh, it comes full circle and we really want to just try to be intentional as possible about giving them that full circle support.
0: So you're working a lot with the youth, right?
2: The youth, as well as the parents and other stakeholders in the system, like the attorneys, lawyers, caseworkers.
0: Yeah. I just, I'm just thinking that as you work with the youth, one of the things you're doing is breaking the the generational part of that. Mm Mm-hmm. You can change that next generation and create a whole different... Because, man, we talk to people who are trying to help kids. We talk to people who are are working their way in their way through the system. Mm -hmm. But the most powerful piece, I think, is when we're able to break a generational trauma. Mm -hmm. And your story is is just clearly a a story of that. You did that first.
1: Well, and and when kids grow up that way, they don't realize that they have the power to break that cycle. They... mm -hmm they get stuck and they have seen their parents do this and their grandparents. And, you know, this is just the way it's supposed to be. So this is what I have to do.
2: Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. It's unfortunate, but it is very true.
0: Yeah. The fact that you guys are, are busy giving that power back to kids and teaching them that they have autonomy, cause man, let's, let's just be honest for a minute about that whole victim mentality. Every one of us have been a victim of something. Exactly and I think the question is whether you lean on that victim status to get people to give you something and use that as your power. Or you go out and choose to, to create something bigger than yourself because you were a victim to become oh. to to hand that, that who was, I think that was, um, Oh, Galen Elmore. I think he, his, his whole thing was about, um, um, victim, uh, Victor. And then, Oh, man, I feel stupid now because I can't remember the last part of that. But it was the whole idea was that go, moving from a victim to becoming the victor uh-huh. where you can hand that out to other people. And there's a V word that that mentioned that. And I cannot <laughs> remember for the life of me what it was. I feel okay. dumb now. But, yeah, that's that's what your story is. You know, that's that's what you're doing in other people. So, I mean, that's that's huge, man. That's huge.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't I don't want to. Uh, Come off as insensitive to people who are going through struggles because there are so many struggles that are out there that I have no idea, um, you know how I have no idea what that what it's like to feel that to go through that situation. And what I would advise people is again that's why it's more of a progress more of a progress situation as far uh, compared to it being a light bulb or a switch uh, to for that mindset change because some people who have deep, deep trauma of to four to five to six generations of maybe some type of drug abuse, some type of sexual assault, some type, there's so many different things that are layered and and just deep rooted that it may take other people longer to realize that I don't want this for my life. And luckily um, I was able to realize that as a teenager, but still, you know, now I have, I feel like I have loads of bricks on my shoulders that I'm trying to carry because they're I want to make up for everything that I lost and and my family lost and everything and try to pass down something positive to the next generation. So I don't ever be insensitive to what people are going through with their generational trauma and what they've been through in life, but also let them know that, you know, know at the end of this, however, however long it takes, months, years, Know at the end in the mind that you will be an overcomer. You will be able to get through that because you don't ever want to let somebody have the power to dictate who you are in your future. It is very true that, yes, they could have hurt you and it wasn't your fault. It was completely their fault that they hurt you. They play a huge role in the position that you're in right now. But who's going to have the last say? And I know for me, you know, anybody that hurt me will not have the last say in my life. God gave me a life made me unique for a reason and no human being, no matter who, how influential you are in my life, my parents or anybody else, no human being is going to have last say in my life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That goes back and reminds me of that one verse in Matthew, which again, I'm just going to show that I can't remember what it was. It was something verse 28 <laughs> about how, you know, these, these things were made might have, of might've have seemed evil to for evil, aimed at you in your life but but god can work it all together for good uh, exactly In the hardest things you know it's it's one of the lessons i try to preach to a lot of men in the dad's group is that even in the darkest rooms you'll be in there's a spot of light and getting people to grab onto that light and chase that light and go figure out what it is that where they can take that and create something big and beautiful out of something that was maybe really traumatic and hard you know exactly. that's You know, how do you teach, you know, you're working with kids, you know, youth in care, probably a a lot of teens would be my guess. Uh How do you teach that to a teenager? Because I know teenagers, and it's really hard sometimes to convince a teenager that like this bad thing that happened right now is not the end of the world. It's not your life story. Like there is more coming. you got lots of room to get better. How how do you, you know, talk to these kids to get them to realize that side of of life is still coming?
2: Uh Mm-hmm. So what we do is we challenge them on a lot of definitions. Um, we challenge them on their definition of love, definition of happiness, and try to teach them about how much autonomy you actually do have in your life and how much you can control. And there's a saying that uh, there is about 10% of life that uh, things happen to you that's out of your control. And the other 90% of things is based on how you react, things you can't control. So I try to teach them on principles and concepts like that and also try to support them in that, the idea of contentment. You know, when, when situations happen that are out of our control, you know, not to live on the highs of life where I'm doing amazing right now or on the lows of life or I'm doing terrible. But really, no matter the, the outside situation internally, you have a sense of contentment where you're comfortable with yourself and who you are. And yeah, just trying to help them understand how much you can control. And for a lot of people, especially in the foster care system, you know, we've been sent home to home. We've been kicked out of homes. And there's so much that is out of our control that like, when I asked youth that question, that how much of your life is based on external locus of control versus uh, internal locus of control? And to, to kind of explain that, internal locus of control is how much you believe you can, you dictate with your life and external locus of control is how much you think others dictate in your life. So there's so many youth who feel like outside world and other people dictate their life. And to a degree that that is true, but understanding that you will have the final say and trying to just let them know of that. And and really idea because the business I have right now, the house I live in, uh and which is not a big house at all. It's not like a mansion. I'm not I know I said the house I live in like <laughs> a mansion. But that like the me being married to uh my wife, us owning a home, having a business, doing this full time, this all started from my idea and really trying to show them how ideas manifest themselves into uh uh blessings for not only for you but for other people and how we started off as an idea in in God's head and now uh, how ideas work in us being able to dictate and control our
0: lives as well well i I want to dig in on the one question a little bit you talk about teaching kids you know asking them what what love is for them having them to define and probably redefine a few times what love is i mean i'm assuming that that you're not talking like it's it's all about finding prince charming and or or uh you know sorry i'm losing all my disney princess names now (laughs) (laughs) but the disney story of love is is not what you're talking about i'm guessing
2: no, so I mean, I base that question off of First uh, Corinthians thirteen around you know what is love? Love is patient. Love is kind. Um, love never fails, and all these characteristics of love, and then so, so much concepts. And when I when I do these workshops, I don't say uh, the scripture exactly. You know, a lot of people. Uh, may, when they when they hear about Christianity, they always kind of feel some type of way. So I don't exactly say this is from the Bible or anything, but I try to implement these ideas slowly but surely into their head and uh, try to help them understand like what love is for themselves first. Because um, Jesus said that you sp- you're supposed to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And the thing that stands out in that scripture is that uh, a lot of people don't even know how to love themselves, so they can't love their neighbor. So trying to help them love themselves first. And it's not about a romantic partner or a friend or even a family, during, especially during that first session, but trying to understand how can I treat myself better with my thoughts and what I say to myself in the mirror when I approach different opportunities? What can I say to myself that's better? How can I uh, my actions reflect that I love myself and I want to treat myself better? How can that be reflected in my, my actions? So starting with taking care of themselves, being patient with themselves, forgiving themselves, and working on themselves, and then working on doing that for other people.
1: Well, yeah. And I mean, you're you're talking about all these things that you're doing with kids. How do people find out about these workshops?
2: Yeah, of course. So you can feel free to visit us at read normal.com to get more information about who we are and the workshops. Um, usually, uh, we would once you go to the website you book us for something and you kind of we always try to tailor our workshops and presentations for specific groups if you have different themes uh, uh, the group that you are working with maybe university students it may be uh, juniors and seniors of high school it may be the youth uh, transitioning into adulthood whatever it may be we try to always adjust uh, our workshops and our themes and everything but Everything's on the website, um, being able to contact us, ask us more questions. But um, yeah, that's how you'll be able to learn more about it, as well as just have a conversation with us about it.
1: OK, that's really awesome. Now, you guys also have started a podcast. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. So with the podcast, we wanted the podcast to be a reflection of the book. Um, so the podcast is called Roll Some Concrete Podcasts. And there's a, a concept behind that, because as you can see, maybe with the t-shirt or not, but the uh, rose stands for rising over societal expectations. And uh, the rose from concrete theme is that, you know, it's, it's a Tupac Shakur, Tup, Tupac Shakur poem. And it says that, you know, roses don't grow from concrete. It's just not how it works. But when it do, when it does rise from a concrete, it has this tenacity and will to reach the sun. And that's what should be highlighted. That should be uh, what, what society focused on, but for so much of society focused on the damaged petals of that rose that just grew from concrete instead of our actual rose coming from concrete and is willing tenacity to, to shine and reach the sun. So that's what the podcast is about. And we talk about a lot of themes from the book of overcoming trauma. We talk about uh, personal success, business success, uh, inviting people on to just talk about their, their story of overcoming. And it can, doesn't have to be foster care related, but just inspiring people to overcome. And, and I talked to one of my friends that's an art major and how she had to overcome some of the expectations of being an art major in college and how people look down on her and just interesting and fun conversations to inspire, to laugh, to reflect on. And yeah, we're just excited about it.
0: Well, I have to say, you probably win the award for the first Tupac reference we've ever had on the podcast. <laughs> there we go. I love it. And if you look at at, at the two of us, you, you might even recognize that, that that was our generation. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm a 90s, so you know. <laughs> she doesn't want to admit it because of the whole, like, it tells you how old we are. Thing, no,
1: I'm but. old. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it, Just it's ask not me, good. I'll tell you how old <laughs> I am.
0: Yeah, but... You know, one of the other things you mentioned was those social influences. You know, I know the Jim Rohn quote you, you gave because that's part of the thing that we talk about in the dad's group I'm a part of is that, like, that's a huge thing. And and if your social influences are, the you know, the guys you work with who, you know... And I know these guys who get up on Monday morning, they drag themselves to work, they grumble about their family while they're at work and how much they hate their job. And they get to the the end of the week just so they can go home, drink some beer, watch football, complain about work, and then get up on Monday morning and start the cycle all over again. And these are the people you surround yourself with. I know who you're going to become if you hang around that. And that's why we're, you know, why we've created this group of, of men, of dads who are trying to be better is because. You have to find those people and surround yourself with them so that when I say some victim stuff in front of some of these guys, I know some of these guys pretty well. I've known several of them many years and they'll call me out, right? They'll they'll straight up call me out and tell me, you know, shut up. Don't give me that. Um, You know, let's talk about this. Let's talk about the good in your life, that kind of stuff. So uh, when you talk with kids about social influences, I know that our teenagers don't always pick healthy social influences yeah we'll say it that way some of their friends are have been some really interesting folks and for legal reasons i won't just find some of
1: some of the (laughs) things i've
0: had to deal with but but yeah that's a big problem you know how do you talk to kids about how those social influences impact them in a way that they're willing to hear it
2: Mm -hmm. so we have to challenge them and kind of hold them accountable because as i said like with the core principles and values before Nobody's ever going to say, like, oh, my core principles and values. They're gonna never gonna say anything negative. Everybody's always gonna say something positive. And then we have to hold them accountable as we get closer or deeper into the presentation of, okay, how are how are those how are those core principles and values reflected in your friends and your relationship and the, the things you do and the music you listen to? Is that reflected in that? And then we don't have them some some they don't have to respond to that specifically, but they have to think about that internally of, okay, I don't think it does. So we have to, that's something they have to sit with and live with. And we can't, of course, force them to, you know, change the music that they listen to or their influences or anything like that or what they're doing, but try to have them think about that. Like if I am going to hold myself to being a positive person, being patient, peaceful, whatever they choose as their core principles and value, then they have to hold themselves accountable that I said this, but am I really doing that? Am I really holding myself to that standard? And they have to live with that. And, and we really want them to reflect on that as they go home and to think, you know, if there's somebody in their life that's not a positive to say like, man, you really don't reflect, you know, what I want to be or who I want to be. And then as we ask them that, we ask them, OK, what are the things that you want to do? What are the principles that you want to have for yourself that you're not living up to right now? And what are the changes in your life you need to make in order to reach that goal? So we challenge them in multiple different ways So after they leave our workshop, they just kind of have a lot of soul searching to do, you know, and we don't want there may not be a 180 in our workshops. But we really want them to go through that slow grind, that process to really think about, man, that really challenged me. That really flipped my world upside down. I really have to do some soul searching and, and do some digging and really figure out what I want in life. So we challenge them and, you know, we hope for the best, but there's no always guarantee of course.
1: Well, I mean, it sounds like you're planting seeds.
2: Exactly. That's the goal. Yeah, and
1: that can be a good thing because I, I know like with, with our teenagers, I don't know about anybody else's teenagers, but I know my teenagers don't like to listen to the things that mom has to say. They don't like to take my wisdom to heart, but they can take somebody else's and hear it even when it's the same thing that mom said, but they can hear it because somebody else said it. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I was like that too. I'm not going to lie. I was just like that. Some people would give me some good advice and somebody would tell me something as a teenager and I, I didn't like it. I ignored it. I'm like, yeah, whatever. And then somebody else would tell that to me. And I would go back to that person. Like, you know, what somebody told me it told me this, this and that, and then, like, that's what I just told you to do. You, why, why aren't you listening to me? And I know that I would get, uh, I would make so many people upset like that. So I want to apologize for you on behalf of all the teams that, that do that to you. So,
0: you know, there was a time when, um, let's see, our now twenty-one-year-old son, he was probably what about thirteen when he went and spent some time with Steve, something like that. A good buddy of mine, Steve, he's. He was a screw up just like me as a kid, and he grew up to be somebody. And and he's created an amazing world where, inside of what he does. And I got to hold him one day. I'm like, dude, what do you think about about him coming out and spending? A week? He's like, yeah, sure, come on out. So so he went out there and spent like a week or two, if I remember right, with yeah, him. Yeah, and weeks. the boy came back. And he looks at me. He says, Dad, you know, Steve. He starts telling me all this neat stuff that he learned from Steve. And He said, Really, Dad? He said a lot of th- the same things that you say. He just said it in a way that I that I understood it.
1: Way that I could hear it.
0: Uh, That's what he meant. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Good. I think the way he could hear it was that it came out of someone else's mouth. And, and, you know, you're young enough to speak into these, you know, into these teenagers' life. I'm just going to be honest. At a certain age, the teenagers just stop listening to you because, well, you got a little too much gray hair. So you don't know what the world really is like. I mean, I'm not on Snapchat. So I'm probably not ever going to be cool again. Right.
2: No, no. It's, it's, no. I think, uh, I I think what it is is that sometimes young people come into relationships with a preconceived notion, like a young person may form a relationship with one of you all with a preconceived notion that you don't know, or you didn't know, or you never experienced this, or they just don't, they just, I don't know, it's just like they put up walls automatically from someone who is maybe a different, who's older, maybe a different race, and we put those walls up and don't even allow, and don't even have an open heart. That's why the Bible talks a lot about having a soft heart and an open heart. We just put heart in our heart probably because of our past experiences, but if we could have maybe a younger person or a peer, or maybe even an uncle or, you know, someone, somebody else, but I think maybe because of the dynamic of the relationship that there's a a power dynamic that where they see you above them, and they just feel like you're just trying to Just tell me what to do and try to boss me around. Some of those preconceived notions may be may block the good advice that you want to give. So um, we'll love to just see you kind of work on breaking down those walls one by one, and really just showing more. Of course, you do already, but show more love and care, and just um, vulnerability is what we always challenge people to do. Show that vulnerability, you know, to to let people know that I'm here for you and I love you and You know, I'm, I'm, you know, we, I mean, it's for the long run. So, cause a lot of people, especially uh, foster youth have so many questions and concerns and just, you know, just suspicious about everybody. So we have those walls up. So I think you, from what I know, you all are doing an amazing job and I love everything you all represent. So.
0: Well, I appreciate the kind words. Uh, I think part of the problem that we have found in our own experience is that it's so easy to tell a kid what to do. Look, I know what's going to be what's going to turn out best for you boy just go do this and uh, they, they don't like to hear that and as parents whether it's biological foster adoptive whatever kind of your know, step parents whatever it is that you've got it's really easy for us to come across in their eyes as saying like look i know what's right because i'm the smart one i've never made these mistakes and we we don't we don't share our, our ugly spots we don't share our our struggles with kids because you know the words you use hit it right on the head it's that vulnerability piece Mm-hmm. You know, can you share that with your kids with some real vulnerability of the places where you have messed up? Mm-hmm. Exactly.
2: And I think one thing we we talk about in the trainings with parents is that uh, so many parents expect youth to like do a 180 and adjust to their lifestyle when the youth they are coming from a situation that may be in your eyes. It may be chaotic, but that's their normal. That's where they're actually comfortable. And they're, now in your home, they're coming to a situation that and their mind is chaotic because they got to eat dinner at 6 p.m. And they can't eat junk food all day. And they got all these rules. And now it's in a chaotic environment to where they're putting up walls and stuff. But I always encourage parents like, you know, you may not be on Snapchat, but like, hey, son, I me mean, or, or, you know, whoever you're talking to, let's record a Snapchat real quick. Let me, you know, just or you play Call of Duty, let's play a game with Call of Duty. You know, you play Madden, let's, I don't play games at all, but let's play Madden real quick. You know, whatever it is to just put yourself in maybe a slightly uncomfortable, slightly vulnerable situation just to build that relationship and be intentional about it. I always encourage that.
0: Well, it's funny you say that because um, I I haven't mentioned, actually, I haven't put anything on on this podcast about it yet, but if people out there are into the whole TikTok thing, I'll be honest with you. I come from the world where where TikTok looks like a security thing for me that I don't. I'm <laughs> a little bit nervous about and and so I, I did eventually find a get myself a, a device that has no personal information on it and I went ahead and made the TikTok account and it's something based around you know our, our mission here. And so if you look, I think it's I think the handle is at Foster Care Nation or something like that over there at TikTok. They're they're on there and the other day i did actually get my two younger boys six and eight years old and, and had them trying to to get them to record something with me to put them on there and the one the one boy <laughs> my nine-year-old turtle turtle says dad every day dad how many how many likes does it have now how many, does
2: it have? <laughs> how many followers
0: do you have do you, do you have more than than you know than 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 15 followers now and then you come back like five minutes later. Like, how about now do you have more i'm like um but i don't think it works this way
2: <laughs> it's not a five yeah.
0: minute. i mean maybe it is for somebody it's not for me but yeah we trying to trying to step into some of that stuff it's a little bit outside of my comfort zone to yeah. share share that experience with them because you know they don't they don't have devices yet at eight nine years old because i'm that dad i i don't hand them devices at that age because i've i've made some of those mistakes in the past and as a parent <laughs> you hopefully learn from those mistakes and and you hold off on that a little bit but yeah, yeah I, love
2: no, it. I love it i'm love it. i with you i'm with you
0: yeah it's so important for us to to be willing to step out into those spaces and just be part of their lives and that's mm. as you know i mentioned my i'm getting a little gray in the beard like, like i'm getting older it's easy for me to say nope no more i'm not getting any more technology forget the next social platform that comes out i'm not doing it but it does create a lot of division with you and, and your kids and your ability to connect into their world.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, first and foremost, I appreciate your vulnerability and willing to be uncomfortable and everything I mean the relationship you're building is going to go far and beyond in what you can imagine. So I definitely appreciate that. And it, it just, it goes a long way, you know, with that relationship building. So yeah, I love it. I love it. And you know, I got to follow you on TikTok cause we're on there too. So
0: yeah. Well, well, I had to find you guys on there. Uh, yeah, but right now he's mad as can be at me because, because I'm talking to you and not taking him to the park because it's the first time it's been over like 30 degrees and in, in like two weeks. The weather here in, in the St. Louis region has been, man, we need to find some, we need to seed the clouds with some bipolar medication because <laughs> <laughs> the weather has been crazy. We've had snow and ice and, and rain and snow and ice and rain, and it'll get just warm enough to tease us a little bit, but over the next few days we're actually we've got some decent temperatures coming and uh so we're going to go do some of that outdoor relationship building here pretty soon you yeah. know I, I i'm more comfortable with that than i am jumping on it onto uh <laughs> to talk with them because I, I have i I can record stuff and post up i really don't know how it works i think you're supposed to spend at least six hours at a time just scrolling through random videos is that the whole point of it
2: um i don't know the point but i i'm not really on tiktok unless i'm posting So you know, my wife is on it a lot since she's been like resting and relaxing a little bit. But um, yeah, I'm not on it unless I'm posting. So I don't want to take it. I don't. I want you to get to the park though. That's that's very important. So I want you to to get to the park while it's nice because the the Michigan weather is just the same. It'll it was snowing a couple days ago. Uh, Later this week is supposed to be in the fifties. It's it's all over the place.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're supposed to hit I think fifty today, and we're we're looking at seventy degrees in uh in the next few days so the end of february is when we're we're recording this so to hit 70 degrees on a february day is crazy but but yeah we we can't go to the park today because it has been so much snow and ice that it's a mud it's a mud pit right now (laughs) that's not good (laughs) yeah so yeah hopefully some of this nice weather will push its way over towards you guys as well and and you guys can get out and enjoy it but yeah Yeah, it's it's, it's those it's those challenges that we have those is figuring out how to how to make connections with younger folks whether it's you know your own kids like we have a few of to be well more than a few and and, you know you guys will at some point have what five or six i think you said right
2: oh man (laughs) (laughs) you added like a extra three or four (laughs) i'm just
0: trying to help you out man that's all you'll be in trouble with alexis when she You you help me out you want to take some of them That'll help me out (laughs) hey i got some i can get you a starter kit (laughs) Ah! (laughs) (laughs) oh man oh man i don't know i don't know i don't blame you <laughs> yeah y'all ought to start from the beginning i ain't gonna lie about that but justin it's great to have a chance to sit and talk with you a little bit today and just see where you guys are going like i mentioned earlier because you came you came from a place that's a trauma store. you came from a place that has a lot of hard stuff in it and, and you're not just just surviving that's the thing is that so many people just just want to be able to survive it but uh-huh. it's not just surviving man you guys are doing something with your trauma you're turning it into something beautiful. You know, you're planting those seeds and, and watching, watching that, that flower garden come up. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, no, it's really been a blessing to first uh, be invited to be back on your podcast and your platform. is It's a privilege. It's an honor. And it's a, it's just a blessing from God to be able to do what we do to do it pretty much full time to travel the country doing this. And you never know, We may be in your your city. We may be in your state pretty soon. So I'm looking forward to that one day, hopefully. So,
0: (laughs) well, $5 says you won't be in my city because our city is a little bitty city.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We'll make it work. We're going to be right next to your city and then we're going to travel there just to come see you. So, we want to make it work.
0: (laughs) Hey, hey, if you guys come to the St. Louis area, we'll we'll make certain that we can set some time aside because that'd be awesome to get to meet you in person and, and, uh, and have some time together that way because this virtual world, Man, I don't know about you, but it's, it's nice that some of that stuff is starting to open up and we can actually see one another again.
2: Yeah. It's, it's benefits. There's a lot of benefits to it, but it does get exhausting. I miss, you know, sometimes I miss giving hugs and all that and shaking hands and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, it's, it is good and bad on both sides. So
0: yes, it is. It is, you know, the pandemic has been difficult on many different levels, but I think we're at a place where we're starting to see things turn around and, uh, and yeah, so I, I hope to uh to get to see you guys come out this way at some point and maybe someday I'll grow up and, and follow in y'all's footsteps and and we'll make it up to Michigan and talk up there or something.
2: I uh, no, of course, and of course it's been a blessing being able to talk to you and uh being on your platform again. I definitely appreciate it.
0: Yeah. And, we- uh,
2: oh, I'm sorry. Before we wrap, I just wanted to also give a shout out to uh, you know, all of our platforms and give people the opportunity to uh, connect with us as well. And um So if you do want to keep up with us, um, feel free to uh, first email us at info at re-definingnormal.com. Our website, re-definingnormal.com. That's where you can book us for different events, workshops, keynote speeches, whatever it may be, trainings. Um, Get a book on the website as well. Get some merchandise. They may not be able to see my T-shirt, but rising Over Societal Expectations, hoodies whatever it may be and then follow us on tiktok we're trying to keep up with the young folks so follow us on tiktok at read.definingnormal.com that's instagram uh read read.definingnormal.com as well on instagram and for the more mature audiences follow us on facebook at <laughs> at <laughs> redefining normal movement
0: you know <laughs> we were just talking the other day about about that and um Well, this, this whole story of how many new grandparents are are taking care of their grandkids. And I was talking to Amanda and said, where do you think we would find that audience? And it's always, yeah, all the old folks are all on, on Facebook. And I'm like, that's where I'm at. She says, I know you're old
2: folks. (laughs) Hey, truth be told, I'm on Facebook most of the time too. So
0: (laughs) I like the way you put it though. The more mature audience. (laughs) For real. Okay. Foster care nation. Thank you for listening to Justin's story. Now take his knowledge and wisdom to heart so you can create love and healing in your family and community. Be sure to come back next week. We have new episodes every Tuesday. If you would like to share your story as a guest, you can reach us at jason at fostercarenation.com. You can connect with other like-minded people on Facebook at facebook.com groups fostercareuj. And don't forget, we have an account over at Buy Me A Coffee. It's a virtual tip jar where you can help us fund our mission for as little or as much as you want. It's at buymeacoffee.com fostercare. The links to everything are in the show notes in your podcast player or at Foster Care Nation. And as always, you
1: are so super awesome. I thank you guys. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Thanks. Thanks.
2: Thanks.